Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Hi, Blue Wire listeners. I'm Greg Olson. I'm excited to partner with Blue Wire to bring you TE1, a podcast where I interview the tight ends who have revolutionized the position. Listen in as I have raw, in-depth conversations with the all-time greats, like Shannon Sharp, Tony Gonzalez, Travis Kelsey, and George Kittle. We'll explore how the tight end position has changed over the last 60 years and what it takes to be the very best. Subscribe to TE1 from Blue Wire Studios today so you're ready for the August premiere. We're talking Tevin Coleman, Jonathan Taylor, and Odell Beckham Jr. on Roto-Viz Radio. What's up, Roto-Viz? Welcome back to Rotoviz Radio, brought to you by DoorDash, Sunday Ticket, Underdog, Bet Online, and the FFPC. I'm Dave Cabin, Senior Fantasy Analyst at Rotoviz, joined by the editor in chief of Fantasy Labs, part of the Action Network, Matt Friedman. Matt, the season's starting to approach. How are you feeling? Uh, I'm feeling good. Uh, a couple thoughts. One, I have on my computer right now so many tabs open. That uh, I think at some point there's like a little bit of audio delay just because my internet is not functioning uh, the way that it probably should because of all the tabs I have open. Uh, two, uh, I've gotten a head start. This is the earliest I've gotten started on my week one pieces, uh, but I'm almost done. By the time people will be listening to this, I will be done with my uh, quarterback breakdown for week one, uh, and I will be starting other pieces. So I'm very excited about that. And then the uh, the third thing is that like the number of companies not sponsoring this podcast is uh, shorter than the or it's uh, the list. I screwed that up, but you get what I'm saying. Like the number of companies not sponsoring this podcast is less than the number of companies in existence sponsoring this podcast. <laughs> 
Yes, um, we're doing we're doing nicely there. Um, so I'm happy about that. Um, I did a draft last week with Mike Beers, uh, and it got me very excited about Tevin Coleman. Um, I need to correct one thing though that I would have said to people out there because I, I did quote Tevin Coleman as having had a ridiculous stretch with the 49ers. Uh, but I was wrong in that he had a 33 point game that really raised a points per game average, like in the middle of the season. Nonetheless, though, I still think that there's a lot of reasons to be excited about Coleman. We've seen the team's running backs have a lot of great games. We have seen him have some success there before he got hurt. Obviously, Raheem Mostert was just on fire down the stretch. But I want to talk to you again about the situation, even though we already have, because there are talks of Jarek McKinnon having a great camp, of having, you know, been hitting the gym, looking like a tremendous physical specimen. Obviously, we all know he's a terrific athlete, probably the best athlete in that backfield. But have your thoughts on the San Francisco running back group changed at all, maybe since the beginning of August? A little bit, but not really. Um in terms of like the way that I've shifted usage, um, I've bumped a little more towards Jarek McKinnon, but like I was already actually expecting him to like play kind of like an optimistic uh, number of snaps with within that backfield. So I didn't have to adjust it all that much. I just bumped up the number of games that he was playing. Cause I thought he might, you know, like start out the year on PUP or something like that, but it looks like he's going to be active in week one. So bump that up. But uh, I don't know. I haven't really made all that many adjustments. Um, and also I want to push back a little bit. We don't know if Jerick McKinnon is actually the best athlete in this backfield, like after having done nothing for two years uh, and Tevin Coleman as a guy who, you know, ran like a four, four 40 time, at like 215 ish pounds or something like that. When he was entering the league, like he might be the better athlete. Okay. Yeah. I will definitely be open to that possibility as I really like Coleman the most out of this group. I always have. So I'm not going to push back on that. So, so just to confirm what you're saying at this current point in time, Coleman might just be the better athlete because McKinnon obviously had an insane combine. I mean, McKinnon had a great combine, but uh, like Tevin Coleman was he was a very like he was an above average at worst athlete entering the NFL. And like, I think he was better than that. So we'll just, we'll say at this point, who knows with McKinnon, you know, like he hasn't played in two years. Uh, he had a fairly serious knee injury. We just don't know what to expect out of him. Okay. Um, I'm fine with that. I don't know if anybody out there listening isn't aware of it, but just in case, and I, I don't, I'm not doing this just to get into an argument here. Jarek McKinnon, 4.1, 40-yard dash, 96th percentile speed score, 110.5, 91st. Burst score, 134.9, 97th. Agility score, 10.95, 94th. Bench press, 32, 99th. Um, that's about as good as it gets, Matthew. Yeah, I mean, obviously, yes. I mean, he was a, a workout warrior, but it's not as if, I'm just saying, it's not as if like Tevin Coleman was some sort of slouch. You know, like on the things that matter, which is basically like speed. That's pretty much all that matters at the running back position. Yeah. Holman ran a 4.39 second at his, at his uh, pro day, you know? Yeah. And I think he did that around like 212 pounds. Maybe I'm a little off on that, but I mean, I think in general, Coleman is the bigger guy and he's almost as fast. Yeah. And that's like thinking about where they were five or six years ago. 
Yeah, I mean, that isn't that relevant now. The, o- the only thing that stinks, too, though, in this conversation is, if I'm remembering correctly, that we don't actually have an agility score on Coleman because he didn't participate in those. So we can't do a, a full comparison here for me just to show you how much does of a superior... Agility score, does agility score matter? Like, it doesn't matter. Which is funny because weren't you the first one that wrote about it on the site? No, absolutely not. That No. Uh, if anyone wrote about it on the site, it would have been Sean. Okay. Because Sean, Sean was the guy who literally invented agility score, and he, he wrote about it first at PFF. Okay. Um, so you know where I was going to take this, right? No, but go ahead and take it there. Uh, didn't, didn't this lead to, to a Bishop Sankey love and an article on Bishop Sankey? Um, I mean, maybe I love Bishop Sankey for many reasons. Okay. All right. I just, there, there seems to be an article that's, we'll, we'll, we'll move on from this because this is useless at this point for people, especially this close to the season. Um, as opposed to the rest of the show, which is always very actionable. Oh yeah. Bishop Sankey. Yeah. He had a great agility score, but like even without the agility score, he ran under a 4.5 second 40 time at 209 ish, 210 pounds. Like he was a good athlete, not thinking about the agility score. And I'm looking now at player profiler and the guy to whom uh, Fantasy Mansion has him as the most comparable is, of course, Jared McKinnon. Oh, wait. Who are you talking about? Oh, Coleman. Wait, what? No, Bishop Sankey. Oh, Bishop Sankey. All right. Sorry. Sorry. I got thrown off there. I was looking up the, the article of yours I was thinking about. I, I think the thing was uh, the workhorse metric. That yes. was that was some of it. Okay. All right. So um, we're going to move on right now for today's FFPC stat attack. And the number for this stat attack is 15.2 points per game. And that's the number of points that either, and we're going to see if Matt knows who it is in a minute, Frank Gore, Adrian Peterson, or Devonta Freeman averaged between weeks 13 and 16 of the 2019 NFL season. A very cherry-picked number. As a reminder, the FFPC is home to the best fantasy football leagues and contests in the industry, including Dynasty, Best Ball, and of course, the world-famous FFPC main event. To learn more or to join a league, head to myffpc.com. That's myffpc.com. And of course, we've got a handful of tools at Rotoviz designed specifically for FFPC domination. Okay, Matt. Frank Gore, Adrian Peterson, Devonta Freeman, between weeks 13 and 16, which one of them averaged 15.2 points per game? Uh, I think it's Peterson, just kind of based on what he was doing after uh, Jay Gruden was fired. I don't think Freeman was even playing near the end of the season. And Frank Gore, I think at that point, had been taken over in the backfield by Devin Singletary. So I would go with Adrian Peterson. Yeah, you're right. Um, It was Peterson. However, though, um, I do need to look this up because I had looked it up earlier. I just want to make sure I get it right. I think that Devonta Freeman actually in that same range put up some really impressive numbers. So we're about to find out here. Did he? I thought he was not active like at the end of the season. I Um, thought that was like Brian Hill territory. It's possible I'm thinking of the wrong of the wrong back on the team there. Um no, week 14, I'm seeing yeah, as 19, I'm, week 16, 33. Yeah, it was okay. week like yeah. 9 through 12 where he was kind of yeah, yeah, dealing yeah. with injuries. Yeah, you're right. All right, so why am I bringing up this obscure kind of cherry pick stat? That's because I asked around for some things that people were interested in, in getting our takes on. And one question was kind of like, there's all this Antonio Gibson hype. We hear people 
wanting to think about the possibility of Bryce Love becoming something. Are we forgetting about Adrian Peterson? At this point, you can get him at the end of drafts. Obviously, he's over 35 at this point. You know, It's been a long time now since he's had a tremendous season. There's been spots where he's done all right, but is he a player that maybe we should be paying more attention to as we make that last push towards uh, September 12th? Yeah, I mean, I, I think that's fair. I Of all the backs in that backfield, I have him projected for the most carries. You know, I, like I think it's likeliest that uh, by the end of the season, someone would have overtaken him. But early on, I think he will accumulate enough carries to where over the course of the season, he's still the leader in rushing. Yeah, that's kind of where I am. It, it, only in the confines of the way the question is phrased, which is at the end of drafts, because I do think that he could be a guy that maybe if your running back situation doesn't play out the way you expected, you're using early on because we have no idea what Gibson's going to look like. We have no idea what Bryce Love is going to look like. And I think if either of those guys do become something, I don't think it's going to be that they both do. So you're still going to see Peterson getting some production, and it's probably going to be a bit of a transition from the beginning of the season where maybe AP is helping your team. Yeah, you know, I'm going to say something that is going to sound stupid, but uh, let me sort of contextualize it. I think Peterson is actually a decent, um, like, quote-unquote, zero RB running back, but it's like it's it's the opposite of how most people think of zero RB running backs. Like, normally, if you talk about a zero RB running back, it's a guy who might have a role, a smaller role, early in the season, and you think that he's able to steal more of the workload, maybe the guy gets injured and then he just breaks out in the second half of the season. So like Antonio Gibson. But if you are going actually like true zero RB or something like that, if you take Adrian Peterson late, like it just depends on where you take him. But I think has a pretty good chance of being the guy for the first half of the season. And maybe he holds on to that job a little bit longer. But the idea is that uh, you get Adrian Peterson, you use him as long as he as long as he's actually functional. And then by that point in the season, hopefully you've been able to find some other guys off of the waiver wire or whatever to uh, to end up taking over for Peterson whenever he's no longer useful. Yeah, um, I, I can understand that, that that standpoint. Obviously, it's not what you normally expect, but, I, I, you know, you kind of made the case for it there. In that uh, kind of line of thinking, I, I definitely get it. To move along here, another question that um, somebody sent me was, are OBJ's best days behind him? I'm thinking that I'd rather use a fourth rounder on someone like AJ Brown, Calvin Ridley, Terry McLaurin. I think what they're getting here is, you know, perhaps players that can take a, another step forward and kind of questioning, are we at the point now where it's harder for OBJ to take a step forward and it's more likely that he has plateaued or steps backward? What do you think, Matt? Yeah, I think his best days are behind him. Uh, that's not like an indictment because his best days were awesome in his first three seasons. So even if he just regresses to being something, you know, like a marginal version of what he was, he would still be probably pretty good. But I would rather have Juju <laughs> or Calvin Ridley. Or I mean, are you are you laughing about Juju? Or no, I was just I was there? I was just coughing. Sorry, I should I should have muted myself. But you know, no, I, I'm still trying, figuring totally out how to do fine. that on this on this new machine. Yeah, to- totally fine. Uh, but I mean, I would. There are other wide receivers I would rather have over uh, Beckham. Uh, like I think he is more of a uh, mid range wide receiver too at this point. 
than a low end wide receiver one. Yeah, I'm not gonna gonna disagree with you on this one. I think I'd rather have all of those guys than OBJ. Uh, another thing for me is I'm still not super convinced that uh, Cleveland does turn this thing around this year. I've heard compelling reasons as to why they may, uh, but those guys like A.J. Brown in year two taking another step, Calvin Ridley in that Atlanta offense, and of course Terry McLaurin with that historic season he had last year. I just think there's more reason to be excited about them. So I'm on board with that. Uh, we have talked a fair amount about T.J. Hawkins and Noah Fant, but we have a question here which is, after the tight ends kind of in that tier, when you start getting into guys like Jack Doyle, Ian Thomas, Eric Ebron, that range, is there anyone there that you like maybe? Uh, well, I don't know, Matt. Have we talked about Ian Thomas before this summer? Uh, I don't know if we've mentioned him yet. Um, it's weird. Like he has, he certainly has upside, um, but I, I'm still a little skeptical because there are so many other players who are going to demand targets. Uh, and we just really don't know what to expect out of that offense. Uh, I think I would rather have Eric Ebron uh, as opposed to Ian Thomas because we at least know that Ebron in the past has scored a ton of touchdowns. Like we know he has that capability. Uh, I think he's going to be in the superior offense and there's no established like big body like end zone or red zone threat right now. Uh, through the air in Pittsburgh. So that could end up being Eric Ebron. So I prefer Ebron, but like Chris Herndon, I think is probably still a tight end who's in this range in most drafts. And he's the guy that I clearly prefer out of all of them. Um, yeah. In part because what he did in his rookie season, which is, you know, kind of like putting him in a, a tier of historical tight ends uh, who normally dominate. Uh, and then also at this point, Enzel Mims, uh, you know, his, it's a lot of practice time. Uh, he's still dealing with injuries and now Prashad Perryman is dealing with injuries. Uh, I mean, Herndon could end up being like the number two receiver on that team. Yeah. The other, the name that I'll float out is one where I think it might depend on the site that you're playing on his ADP, but I have in some leagues been getting Irv Smith in that range. Um, yeah. and you know, I think he's a talented guy. You know, Diggs is gone. Maybe things play out kind of interesting there, and he's able to to make you know a big impact for himself. So in that range, he's another guy I'm going for. Uh, but let's you know, there, yep. there's one more there's one more name I want to mention, yep. and this is like deep deep cut beyond the guys that we are talking about. Uh, okay, so let me sort of preface this by saying, um, like, do you agree? that athleticism is one of the most important like features or like uh, determiners of success at the tight end position. 100%. I mean, outside of it, there's really not a whole lot I can point to for these guys to, to figure out who to go after. Okay. So there is a tight end who, let me make sure I get his age correct. Um, so a tight end who is 29. So that's old for a guy who hasn't broken out yet. But um, guys, when he was entering the league, the guys to whom he was most comparable based on uh, information at mock draftable. Number one guy is Rob Gronkowski. Number two is Austin Hooper. Number three is Josh Oliver. Just kind of throw that out there. Uh, Albert Okuwagnubom is number four. Jimmy Graham is number five. Tyler Higby is number six. So some really good guys on this list. 
uh, you know, followed by like Jordan Leggett, Skyler Ort, uh, and then Julius Thomas, uh, who had, you know, a couple of really good seasons with the Denver Broncos. Um, this tight end is Logan Thomas, <laughs> who <laughs> is not really someone I normally think of as a tight end. Yep. But uh, I mean, he's been, you know, trying to play the tight end position for a while and reports out of Washington really do look like that he's going to be the starting tight end. Uh, and again, normally I would be just a little cautious and like I am cautious. I'm just, I, I don't know what to make. I don't know what to make of Logan Thomas. Like the odds are overwhelmingly that he does nothing, but he's just like someone who's been in the back of my mind for a while because of the physical comps. And then the fact that like he actually could get legitimate playing time on this team that has like almost no one else to throw to except for Terry McLaurin. And then after that, it's like, okay, maybe Antonio Gibson, like maybe Steven Sims, but like there's the possibility that Logan Thomas actually gets targets. Um, yeah, I guess there is. I was just thinking though, imagine if Logan Thomas had a breakout season, it would be the most unlikely thing ever. Like the last time I think I saw Logan Thomas in action was somewhere around like 2009 as like Virginia Tech's quarterback. Yeah. I mean, the thing is like he actually played last year with the Detroit lions. Like, I mean, he, he played like he yeah. had 28 targets. Like, it's not like that's a lot, but that's like, that's actually something, you know? Yep. All right. Well, Matt, we appreciate your input there, but in the sake of time, we have to press along here and uh, get to some you notes. You don't want to make this the Logan Thomas podcast? No, I really, I really do not want okay. that to happen. All right. All right. Yeah. You've counted on restaurants, now they're counting on you. And while their dining rooms may be closed, they're still open for delivery with DoorDash. DoorDash is the app that brings you the food you're craving right to your door. Ordering is easy. Open the DoorDash app, choose what you want to eat, and your food will be left safely outside your door with the new contactless delivery drop-off setting. Choose from your favorite national restaurants like Chipotle, Wendy's, and the Cheesecake Factory. Many of your favorite local restaurants are still open for delivery too. Just open the DoorDash app, select your favorite local spot, and your food is on its way. Right now, our listeners can get $5 off and zero delivery fees on their first order of $15 or more when you download the DoorDash app and enter code BLUEWIRE. That's $5 off your order and zero delivery fees on your first order when you download the DoorDash app in the App Store and enter code BLUEWIRE. Don't forget, that's code BLUEWIRE for $5 off your first order with DoorDash. Sunday, Sunday, Sundays are coming back in the NFL with NFLSundayTicket.tv. You can stream every live, out-of-market NFL game every Sunday afternoon on your favorite devices. Plus, Red Zone and DirecTV Fantasy Zone channels. Never miss your favorite teams and favorite players. No matter where you live, NFLSundayTicket.tv is your key to the most glorious Sundays ever. Use the promo code BLUEWIRE at checkout to get 15% off your subscription. Visit NFLSundayTicket.tv and use promo code BLUEWIRE. 
At Rotoviz, we love titles, we love hardware, we love championships, we love winning, and we love it when you do it too. In 2020, one thing we want to win with you is the underdog fantasy best ball mania, $1 million best ball tournament. It's $200,000 to first place. It's only $25 to enter. It's a no-brainer. This is like the elite best ball title this year. So you got to go to underdogfantasy.com or download their great underdog fantasy app in the app store on your smartphone device, and you're going to make a deposit. You're going to use code ROTOVIZ when you make that deposit. Then you're going to go refer five friends, and Underdog and ROTOVIZ will give you a free entry into the Best Ball Mania tournament. So it's, it's kind of like a two-for-one. You sign up. You put in 25 bucks, you enter the Best Ball Mania tournament, you get five buddies to play, you use code RotoViz, you get a free entry. No brainer, guys. Let's chase that glory. 200 grand. If $25 is too pricey for you, they've got a $5 tournament called the Bubble, and you can win 20 grand in that bad boy. Their app is slick. You click on the player's name, you see the ownership, you see the latest news and notes. You can draft from that app with no problem. Man, they really knocked it out of the park with this product, and I can't wait for you to try it. So go to underdogfantasy.com today, make a deposit, and use code ROTOVIZ, and chase that glory. All right, sir. Outside of the Chiefs, the Falcons, the Rams, the Cowboys, I probably should have included the Buccaneers here. What offenses are you looking to get pieces of in 2020? Uh, well, I think an obvious one, uh, probably omitted here, uh, the Ravens, Correct. um, yep. but outside, outside of them, uh, yeah, I mean, Tampa Bay is a clear one. Um, sorry, I'm just looking now at all of the, the different options. And very honestly, um, you can say, you can say none. I will accept that answer here. If there aren't, no, no, no. I mean, okay. So, um, New Orleans, I feel like is kind of an obvious one. Um, Arizona is one that uh, might be a little, a little farther down uh, the list, but they are interesting. Um, honestly, Denver. I just, I think that, I think that that offense is going to be better than people are expecting. So there are like multiple pieces in that offense uh, that are cheaper than they should be. Um, Houston. I mean, Houston's yep, yep. like the like a slam dunk one for me because I think Will Fuller and Brandon cooks are both too cheap. Maybe even like Randall Cobb, but it's not as if I'm really super excited about him. But then also like, I think Kenny stills is probably too cheap because I think there will be a time where there's likely to be a time at some point where he comes in and uh, is fairly useful. I mean, all it takes is one guy in front of him to get injured and then he's going to be a starter. He can play all three positions on the field. Yeah, I'm completely behind that uh, that take there. He's a player that I have been looking to at the end of drafts. Um, one piece of news that actually broke recently that I didn't have a chance to put in the sheet here, Matt, but we should talk about Philadelphia already getting banged up at the wide receiver position and Carson Wentz, it looks like, is dealing with some health issues as well. So let's talk quickly here about how you see things shaking out in the passing game if the rookie Jalen Rager is not ready to go in week one. And if, if he's not ready to go, I'm assuming that means even more two tight end sets, but Dallas Goddard is also reportedly dealing with an injury. Now, I don't think it's supposed to be like all that serious, but it's serious enough to where he's missing some practice time. But if Rager isn't out there, uh, and let's keep in mind, like Alshon Jeffrey is also a little suspect to start the year. 
So I think that means it's Deshaun Jackson. It's probably John Hightower mixing in uh, and mixing in with JJ Ortega Whiteside um, with some two tight end sets. But uh, I mean, it's, it's Deshaun Jackson. I mean, that's, I think that's really the guy that you would be looking for. And he's honestly like someone I've been wanting as much as I can get. And it feels weird to say that. Like we've talked about Deshaun Jackson and thinking about like, what is a realistic number of games he's going to play this year? Because if he plays, I think even just 13 games and like, maybe you think that's high. I think that's probably around where he's going to be. Even if it's just 13, I think that's a massive smash at his ADP because of some of the other guys who aren't going to be available. And then just because of like, because of the talent that he has on his own, like if he plays 13 games, I think he's likely to lead that team in air yards, which means he could have some massive performances. Yeah. I'm inclined to agree with you on this. Actually. I think that given this information that we have, where it's already looking like players outside of just Jackson and Jeffrey, who would have been the two I'd be most concerned with, are already dealing with some health issues. I still think, though he might not be the player he once was, Deshaun Jackson still has enough talent. And we saw it very early on last season before he got hurt to make a substantial impact. So, you know, you could very honestly be looking at an an offense that's mostly Ertz, Jackson, and maybe some combination of Miles Sanders and Boston Scott, another group of players we should probably have a talk about. I don't have them lined up for this week, but we'll be talking about them next week. Uh, I'm going to skip that next question that was on the sheet here, Matt, because I want to get to this one before we close off for this episode. And I know everybody, we've talked about this a lot, but I have really come around to the idea that if someone is drafting running backs, they should be drafting Jonathan Taylor. I just can't get past the fact that we have a generational talent here or somebody that we believe has as good of a chance as anybody really, except maybe like Saquon Barkley based purely upon the profile in, in the last decade, probably of being a generational back. They're going into this offense with a tremendous offensive line, pretty solid offense overall. And I understand that Marlon Mack's there, but if Jonathan Taylor is as good as we think he is, it just doesn't make sense to me that he's going to get stuck behind Marlon Mack. And when he finally does, which I think it could be as quickly as week two, week three, I'm going to be starting him in week one. When he finally does get all of that role, I really think that a RB3 uh, finish inside the top six of the running back rankings is so achievable. So tell me why that is a bad take, if you think it is. Uh, I think it's a bad take because he's going at this point, looking at uh, FFPC ADP, he's going in round three. Yep. So like, would I rather have going as the RB 17? Like, would I rather have, I don't know, name whatever wide receiver. Okay. Okay. Or like, okay. Or, or Mark Andrews or Zach Ertz. Fine. Would I'd rather have that guy there. Fine. I would rather have Amari Cooper than Jonathan. That, that's fine. So what I'm saying is that the first thing I said here was if I was somebody that was into drafting running backs. So my point is if you're somebody that's taking running backs and you're not taking Jonathan Taylor in round three, I think you're making an error. Well, you might push I mean, back is, with James Connor. Yeah, I was going to say, <laughs> is James Connor available? Like, because if Connor's there, I'm easily taking him over Jonathan Taylor. So what's uh, we, Connor's upside to you? We've seen him do it. Okay. Connor's um, upside is, you know, top six. Okay. Do you think that uh, an RB3 season is in his possibilities? Yeah, I mean, if he can finish in the top six, he can finish in the top three. That's just a couple of extra touchdowns. All right. You know, like, 
that's possible. All right, so let's just gauge your your disparity here on these two players. Let's say you're drafting 10 teams. Actually, let's do 20. I don't know why, to me, it feels like that might make a difference in this equation here. You're drafting 20 teams. You're picking a running back. You have to take a third-round running back on these teams. And how many of these leagues do you take Taylor, and how many do you take Connor? Uh, I mean, okay, I want to take Connor 20 out of 20 times, but like knowing that I'm fallible, I would probably resort to taking Jonathan Taylor three of those times. And I would hate myself each time I do it. Okay. You know what? I want to right now lock up a, and this is, this is just going to be purely for pride. We don't need to put uh, t-shirtless podcasts on the line like we did with mansion. Uh, just, just for pride here. Jonathan Taylor, James Conner, points per game. I'm saying that Jonathan Taylor scores more. You take James Conner. I'm assuming you're perfectly okay with this bet. That's fine. The odds, I think, are probably against me winning in this, but I feel that good about Jonathan Taylor. I'm taking it. That's fine. I mean, ADP would suggest that their odds are just about even. Okay. Yep, that's true. That's true. Um, Yeah, all right. I feel good about this. We don't need to delve in there anymore. Quick reminder to everybody out there that Rotoviz Radio listeners can receive a 10% off uh, discount on a one-year Rotoviz subscription by applying the discount code 2020RVRadio at checkout. Uh, go to rotoviz.com forward slash podcast for further information. And that does it for this episode. You can reach us at rotovizradio at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter at DaveCabinFF and Matt F. The Oracle. Thanks to DoorDash, Sunday Ticket, Underdog Bet Online, and the FFPC for sponsoring the show. Make sure to rate, review, and subscribe. And as always, remember, it's not a fantasy if you believe it. Did somebody say playoffs? NBA and NHL are playing for the gold, and our partners at Bet Online have you covered. Get in on all the action, including a new NBA bracket contest with plenty of chances to win. The MLB season is pushing into fall, and there's no shortage of ways to bet with hundreds of odds, futures, and props. So take advantage of the return of sports, and remember, the casino never closes. Check it out all day, all night. Go to betonline.ag and use the promo code BLUEWIRE to receive your welcome bonus. That's betonline.ag, promo code BLUEWIRE. BetOnline, your online sports book experts. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime.